0: We are here to uncover the good, the bad and the ugly of the IT industry. My name is Robin Johns, and this is Convergence by Cato Networks. We're in the middle of a significant transformation regarding the way we produce and consume, thanks to the digitization of the manufacturing process. This transition is so impactful that it received its own definition. Industry 4.0 This name represents the fourth revolution that has occurred in the manufacturing ecosystem. In this special episode, Ishael Vel, Cato Network's Chief Marketing Officer, interviews Alfred Sobrino, Playpower's Vice President and Head of Information Technology, where they'll discuss how the implementation of a SASE infrastructure looks for manufacturing companies. So if you're not familiar with the term Industry 4.0, this is the episode for you.
1: It is a pleasure to welcome to our podcast Alfred Sobrino. And I'll ask hey, Alfred, who is a, a veteran IT manager, to introduce himself, his company, and a little bit about his career and what brings him here. Alfred, welcome and please.
2: Hello, Isha. Good morning or good afternoon there. And I'm uh, very happy to be on the show. My name is Alfred Sobrino, and I am the vice president and the head of information technology for PlayPower. And PlayPower is a family of brands that are the world leaders in premier recreational equipment. Anything from commercial, outdoor, and indoor playgrounds, shade structures, site amenities, floating boat docks, we build it. And one of the great pleasures of working for PlayPower is we get to work with kids. Because all our products are focused on our kids.
1: That's amazing. How long have you been with PlayPower and um, what you typically do uh, in kind of in your daily job? Yeah, I've been with PlayPower. I came on
2: board, it's been a little over three years, and it's been a great journey of lots of, you know, I like to look at challenges as opportunities. PlayPower grew through a legacy of acquisitions. So that's why it's a family of different brands that have come together. And like any entity that has grown through acquisitions, me as the head of IT and the leader of the technology function had to come up with ways to unite all those disparate technologies and bring things together, right? Simple things like having a single email system, having a coherent cybersecurity posture, having a single business system, etc. So my day-to-day is... Uh, I'm obviously having to focus on the strategic functions with technology and this era here post-COVID and all through COVID has been a great opportunity for CIOs and technology leaders where pretty much companies are literally depending on IT as the glue to keep them together as they work remotely, as they work with this model of connect from anywhere, anytime. So a lot of my day is... Strategy, but also having come up through the ranks, started my career as a developer. I like to get into sometimes problem solving and solutioning with my teams, both my, my apps dev team as well as my infrastructure team. And uh, there's never a dull day.
1: Wow, that's uh, it's pretty amazing. Actually, uh, it will be very interesting to uh, learn more later about how you integrate acquisitions from an IT standpoint and obviously how SASE helped there. But maybe let's start with COVID. Did you all start working from home? Uh, What's the kind of how do you handle the business day to day during COVID? And, uh, you know, how do you see that moving forward? Yes. So, um,
2: you know, we are a brick and mortars manufacturer. Most of our facilities are in rural areas. We have uh, plants that manufacture steel and resin products because our playground is primarily a steel frame, you know, with a lot of beautiful additions there in terms of the aesthetic appeal, but here in America, we built very strong steel playgrounds. And that has to, the welding, the cutting, the powder coating, et cetera, has to be all done in a manufacturing plant. When COVID hit, that changed, I think, our company in pretty dramatic ways. Number one, the work from home, work from anywhere culture was not something that people really took a lot of, uh, you know, participated in. We were, you know, we were not a fintech company or a high-tech company or a company, saying banking services. We were primarily a manufacturing company. So people were skeptical that we could do that. And so when we got the call in early March that go hit and the recommendations from the CDC and from all the authorities around the world is that disperse your office employees. We don't know how this is going to impact our workforce. The most important thing for us was to keep our workforce safe. Now, we did that, obviously, the people in the office and the non-manufacturing staff, the non-shop floor staff, we had to disperse within a short period of time all over our manufacturing plants and offices and send them remote. This is where I can say I'm very grateful to Kato because if we had an on-prem VPN infrastructure backbone, it would mean suddenly ramping up VPN connectivity and running around and putting these VPN concentrators and stuff like that. With Kato, with your VPN in the cloud, that was a big game changer for us. We were able to leverage a large number of additional VPN accounts very quickly and get people connected in a secure way through the Kato cloud with that VPN connector and send them on their way to work remotely. So that was one of the big things. We also you know, put in all the social distancing and safety measures like masks and sanitizing your hands and temperature checks, wellness stations, etc., in the plants because those people, we cannot run a welding machine remotely yet. I say yet because that's coming soon, right? I mean, with Industry 4.0 the fourth industrial revolution. So along with the change to work from home, work from anywhere, connect from anywhere at any time. There was a big surge in cybersecurity attacks. This was a great opportunity for people out there, adversarial bad actors, who saw people who are now not connected within the physical walls of the office and all the edge protection that you have in a corporate location and are working remotely. And we saw a big spike, not play power, but in general. The world saw a big spike, and you're pretty aware of that, being one of the premier Security vendors out there. That is where having a Sassy solution with the layers there and all the embedded security offerings in a box. And I, you know, I think the beauty of, of Sassy is the simplicity, being able to leverage that pretty quickly, and keeping our workforce safe, building security in because the last thing we wanted to do when the whole company is pretty much working on the IT backbone and the IT infrastructure is to have a cybersecurity incident. So it's twofold there.
1: Oh, wow. It's actually a pretty amazing description. In Cato, we decided to adopt the slogan, ready for whatever's next. And we adopted it shortly before COVID hit, not after. And then COVID came and said, okay, ready for whatever's next. Whatever is next is pandemic. You know, how do you adjust the working conditions, the workforce, the uh, work from anywhere, all this stuff. And I think it's a very good example which actually outlined uh, extremely clearly. You mentioned Industry 4.0. Can you give me your version of it? It's kind of a term that I heard, but I'm not in the manufacturing business. What does it mean from technology, from digital, maybe from process perspective? How does an Industry 4.0 company look like?
2: Like everything else, there's different levels of maturity and capabilities as people pursue Industry 4.0. It's what we're calling the fourth industrial revolution. As you know, the first industrial revolution was when man kind of harnessed the wheel and tool making, the Iron Age, right? The Stone Age and the Iron Age, that kind of you know stretched over several hundred years. And I would say that that helped civilization. Industry 2.0 was mass production, the assembly line. You know, Ford is a great example of that with its automated production line. Industry 3.0 is something. I didn't lift industry 1.0 and 2.0, obviously, but 3.0 was, we were all in the forefront with the internet age, right? And that was, that stretched for about 20 years. And then industry 4.0 started early in the century, in, in the uh, 2000s. And the way I perceive industry 4.0 is the great game changer with all these great compute, network, and storage capabilities out in the cloud so companies can leverage things like artificial intelligence machine language robotics rpa for back office processes robotic process automation which is nothing but automation analytics that you've never had before with data science and uh, a lot of other capabilities to have what's called smart factories right so what are we doing we're obviously a brick and mortar manufacturer we cannot aspire to be you know manufacturing something like you know, silicon wafers, for example, right? That could be highly automated. You could have tremendous artificial intelligence and machine language kind of capabilities introduced there, for example, to streamline production, keep track of your flow rate on your your shop flow, your quality, et cetera, and have self-correcting mechanisms that are more accurate than any human being. So what we are doing is obviously we're looking at from nuts and bolts connecting our key machine components on the shop flow to the internet, the IoT and the OT strategy, right? So operational technology, internet of things, our laser cutters, our welding machines, we're able now to sense directly from the shop flow, what is a cycle, a weld cycle? You're closing the welding arc and you're opening it, that's a weld cycle. We can correlate those to actual productivity, right? That's a good example. On the application side, all the business systems that we're building, we're building on the cloud right we're using one of the major cloud uh, public cloud providers out there what that gives us is the ability to quickly build something without having to go and buy infrastructure and scale on demand right if i see a lot more activity during my busy season i don't have to buy additional capacity just for a short period i can dial it up right on demand data science uh we've started our foray into that right i mean you guys use that a lot for your mdr offering but A machine-language program can mine large amounts of data in a very quick period of time very accurately, find patterns, et cetera. It's been adopted by the security world. We're adopting it to make good decisions, our decision-making, right? So those are some of the key examples that I perceive as Industry 4.0. In a nutshell, it's the digital acceleration. And everybody, you hear this buzzword, right, about digital capabilities.
1: Okay, great. Uh, obviously tied in many ways, uh, actually to some of the trends you talked about, like Industry 4.0 and the high automation or intelligent automation of processes, uh, which obviously require networking, security, and other types. How do you see SASE? I mean, I won't get into the analyst definition. It's really more, what is the set of capabilities and values that you would expect from anyone who comes to you and say, I have a SASE for you? What would that be? What are the things that you find key in SaaS?
2: Yes. So the kind of definition I would come up with is literally it's security in a black box, right? As things have evolved, you know, DevOps was a big movement of a few years ago, and now it's evolved to DevSecOps, right? You want to build security into all your IT offerings. You want to build security into all your capabilities, and SaaS plays a critical part in that. What it does for me is I don't have to go and have a large information security team and bring in networking specialists, firewall specialists, and people who have very specialized skills to manage a wide suite of products. SASE brings that all together in a box for me, and it's natively architected for the cloud. The box is just a paradigm for the physical cato connector there, right? the sitting, connector sitting in my data centers, but it's all running off the cloud with all the reliability and scalability of the cloud. But it's bringing my firewall, it's bringing my IPS, IDS services, my NGAV services. And we've also subscribed to your, we came on board initially and then soon saw the value. We were one of the early adopters of your MDR service. So we adopted that too. So our detection and response, we were running a traditional SIEM, and like everything else, you don't have enough hands and you don't have enough people to monitor that 24 by 7 by 365. So it was pretty easy realization that the traffic is all passing to the Keto cloud. You guys can monitor that much more effectively without being intrusive, be able to, you know, using AI, ML, mine our network traffic, look for patterns, plus also keep up with all the, the RBLs out there and and the authoritative sources to identify threats, right? And the NGAV layer is nice, it's another protection. And security is all about layers, right? The more locks you have on your door, the stronger the the barrier to entry, right? So that's my, in a nutshell, security in a box, natively cloud-based, brings all this together. You don't need a lot of special skills to have a good cybersecurity posture.
1: Okay, it's very interesting. You know, in the market, and we actually work in the market along those lines, there are people that really focus on SASE as a security offering. Others talk about networking and security. We actually think about it as two sides of the same coin in the sense that you need strong connection to the cloud, very reliable, very resilient connection, in order for security to be effectively delivered, right? So you have all the smarts, but if your connection is poor, then you're going to have issues and as a person that runs uh, kind of plant operation, tend to be mission critical. They work sometimes 24-7. They, uh, you know, you don't want any downtime. So availability seems to be a key element in a SASE story too. Uh, but obviously security is an essential component as well. So you mentioned some of the challenges you had prior to the SASI deployment, uh, such as the skills challenge that many security leaders talk about, they need to hire different skills, uh, deal with different tools, etc. Is there any other challenge or any other business requirement that you had from the business or from your own towards that deployment, or was it really uh, security based, security centric?
2: Yeah, you bring up a really good point, Yishay. So you know, we like a lot of people out there who've uh, migrated to Sassy, Obviously, we were trying first and foremost to solve for the plethora of multiple MPLS connections that we had to maintain, right? And working with a multitude of telecom vendors. So yeah, SASE was a game changer there, but there's a lot of networking products out there there a lot of SD-WAN providers, right? So we, we had already made the decision that we wanted to go SD-WAN and make that migration from MPLS to SD-WAN. But just having SD-WAN was not enough. Again, we wanted a fully integrated service that also had managed services capabilities. Coming back to one of the challenges, since we're a brick and mortar's manufacturer, we have facilities in areas where getting telecom connectivity may be difficult, getting uh, MPLS, right? It can take a long time sometimes because depending on the area, there are certain vendors out there, telco vendors that are more dominant. They have backlogs and, you know, requests to, to provide capability. SASE allows us to just deploy, you know, a regular fiber internet connection, and then, you know, have, you Kato know, socket that provide us security pretty quickly. The other big thing was that it helped us solve for, right, was the ability to connect as we, if we made an acquisition or we added uh, facilities to, you know, basically we're in a busy season now, we need to have an additional warehouse, etc. we could quickly connect those facilities very quickly and respond to business needs quite easily rather than waiting for a longer period of time to get connectivity the traditional way, so that's that's a game changer. And in terms of the business requirements, one big thing for us, our leadership we have a, we have great leadership. Our CEO is visionary. He's a strong supporter of technology. This concept of bringing all the brands together as one play power, in a way, Cato has helped with that because we're all on the same network right now. Right, very easily we could have a contiguous network all across the company. We can access assets, whether it's sitting on a file share or it's, it's an application running on a server. These are the on-prem applications. We can access them pretty quickly without a lot of sophisticated or complex network routing rules, right? So that's that's another thing. Again, I don't need to have uh, those capabilities in-house to write all those networking rules.
1: Got it. It's uh, pretty amazing. We actually have seen this theme of unification. So we have other customers that eliminated four or five firewall brands just because they bought like four companies a year for seven years. So imagine 30 acquisitions, each one did their own decision, what they will buy, different types of equipment, etc. And they need to streamline and standardize all of that was it was basically unmanageable kind of situation. So I don't know if you have that in the business because you're very senior, but did you actually have to justify? the SASE decision to your executives or basically you said, okay, this is the direction we need to go. Let's do it. And if you did have to justify what, you know, was there uh, any particular tip that you can give your peers on how you convince someone to go into a strategic direction like this?
2: Yes. uh, You know, like all things, SASE was pretty new. We came on board in the second half of 2018. I think Cato was, I mean, you guys are one of the pioneers in the SASE space, right? Kind of gotten a coin that phrase and have you guys in on their magic quadrant there. So it was brand new. And uh, to be completely transparent, you know, we were looking at SD WAN. Like I said, I was solving for the networking. That was a no-brainer, right? We had to have SD WAN so, you know we were to bring all these different sites together. And um, we were evaluating Cato you know, again, some of the big names in the telco fields out there who had pretty well-known SD-WAN offerings, but they didn't have the full gamut of the security posture baked into the SD-WAN. And I was able to see a need for that pretty early on because, again, of all those complexities we are trying to solve for, we don't want to run all these disparate products for IPS, IDS, firewall, NGAV, detection response, and have a separate SOC and stuff like that. We were trying to simplify, but also give us a very robust security posture. But you know, like all things, this is brand new, and I'm a firm believer in I want to stick my toe in the water, I want to take the temperature, and I want to see how it goes. So uh, I must give credit to two people who we started the journey with, James Arment, who was our account manager, and uh, Mike Ortega, who was our engineer then. And James and Mike did a good job in running a POC for us, because that's what I do, You know, prove your solution. So we did a proof of concept. We were in the middle of moving one of our locations physically from to a new plant and a new office space. And so we used that option there to deploy Cato for that new location. So that was the only site on Cato to start with. And then I think we had like a 60 or 90 day POC. We were able to see it works fine. We had teething problems. Mike jumped on it pretty quickly. James was very responsive. And basically we, we began to have a little more faith that it's going to work and then began rolling it out to the rest of our facilities so i would say if it's a brand new technology don't dive head in right completely in you know do a poc that's my you know what i'd like to do i want to you know i'm basically prove it's going to work show me you can handle my pain points don't just show me you know a marketing literature i won't actually see it work because this is such an important part of your infrastructure and then number two right it was pretty easy for me to make the case because here I am. I'm uniting and unifying all these different disparate products into a single offering, and I'm able to to provide a a single pane of glass that to view my security posture across all my all my locations, both physical as well as people connecting remotely.
1: Got it. Yes. Uh, well, uh, first of all, thank you for being uh, an earlier customer. Right now, uh, we have uh, just over 800 customers with uh, 9,000 locations on the service. And obviously, SASE uh, is an emerging category and the early adopters play you know, an immense, uh, immensely important role for vendors that are trying to be innovative and disruptive. Kind of the journey of Cato is really about all simplification, automation. The way we think about it, we want to take work away from our customers and not give them more work, right? So we try not to give you stuff that you need to do or your team needs to do. And I think that's kind of guiding, the guiding principle when we build products and solutions. That's always the thinking, right? Am I doing something that takes complexity away, takes work away or not? If you have uh, an advice to your peers when they look at this, because now SASE is not an early adopter play. Now it's becoming a mass market. Everybody's looking at it. So you gave some tips like SD1 is a good first step, but we also need security and we need to put it together. Anything else they should be looking at, think about uh, with all the different uh, vendors uh, basically claiming SASE, how should they sort them out?
2: You're absolutely right, Isha. I mean, it's matured now as uh, you guys blazed the trail there and people saw value. And if you look at the market right now, there's a lot of players out there. And what do they say, right? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Some of the major names have gotten the sassy space. I would say what we do is when, when we're doing an analysis and we're doing a vendor comparison is we look at capabilities, right? That's the first thing. So compare capabilities in each of the areas that are important to you because every company has different needs, right? I mean, you have the basic cybersecurity and connectivity needs, but you may already have, for example, you know, a monitoring service like an MDR offering may not be a high priority for you. You may already be having a global delivery capability for like a SOC, et cetera. And look and see, number one, what are your top five areas of concern that you want to bridge? What gaps you want to bridge? And then do a side-by-side comparison of the leading providers out there on those capabilities, rate them, right? And then obviously do the cost-benefit analysis because at the end of the day, you got to go and sell this for funding, right? So if you do that with in the SASE market, I'm pretty sure, I'm hoping, right, that Kato still comes out head over shoulders over the competition, but that's what I would do, right? It was an easy decision for us because there were not too many people then there, but we still did that because we looked at going SD-WAN and bundling the security services on top of that, right? So it, was, it made it um, a little easy for us to do an apples to apples comparison. Now you have a lot more choice. And so we yeah, gonna do the same thing. And one more thing Isha is I'm a big believer, people like Cato ask me for references, you know, I'm pretty happy, that's why I'm here today on the show, right? And I wanna stay a satisfied customer, continue to have good customer satisfaction and customer service. That's the other thing. Ask for customer references and take the time to talk with them because it's always important to hear directly from an end customer what is their experience with the service.
1: Great. First, thank you very much. The way we actually compete in the market beyond capabilities is what I call architecture, meaning how we deliver the capabilities. As you said, we can layer them on top of something in terms of layering, pile them up, in boxes, if we're a telco, or we can build them in. So our approach is we build it in as opposed to pile it up. And that's part of what creates the value, right? So it's the fact that you don't have to worry about it. It's simply there. It follows you everywhere. It protects everybody in the same way, etc. So we're actually getting close to wrapping up. And um, I want to thank you for all the insights so far. I think it was extremely clear and very uh, a kind of eye-opening, I think, definitely for audiences that are not familiar with the, the topics we're covering. Is there any one more tip that you want to give? The peers doesn't have to be around SAS, can be anywhere, anything uh, on career, on work. You know, what is the one thing that you think is like something that really helped you along the way and you want to share it uh, so people can learn?
2: Yeah, so I would say a couple of things, right? Number one, COVID has changed the information technology world technology will never be the same again technologists now have come to the forefront with the ability to provide digital capabilities quickly and respond to market challenges as an it person what i strive for is to make sure all my it projects are closely aligned with the corporate strategy and the business strategy you know i never go and talk it hey here's the cool new thing and i want to do it right it's always make the business case related to a business function. This is how it's going to empower our sales team sell more. This is how it's going to empower our operations team manufacture more efficiently in a secure way. Right? So that's that's my my philosophy. IT is just an enabler of the business. right? We're a service organization. So our focus should be on how can we provide capabilities to our businesses through the services we provide them to be able to grow the top line, you know, strengthen the bottom line, create that barrier to competition, or you know, kind of win over the competition, right? Win in the marketplace. Faster time to market, ability to have great insights into data out there that can give us the ability to make intelligent business decisions. Those are kind of some of the things I I strive towards. And then most importantly, you know, we've seen how a simple incident, security incident, can so adversely impact corporations right so always keep security in the forefront you know when you're talking with business leaders i think they're very receptive right now the realization that it's just like quality right you want to build quality into your product i would say as an as a technologist i want to build security into all my it offerings
1: okay i think that's a very a great closing to our audience uh, thank you for uh, being with us And I uh, really want to thank you, Alfred, for coming on the show and sharing some of your experiences. I hope everybody found this information uh, valuable. If you enjoyed this uh, episode, uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your colleagues. I want to thank you uh, again uh, for being here and have a great day.
2: Thanks, Isha. Appreciate the opportunity
0: that was all for our episode today. I hope you've come away feeling a little more educated and empowered. In case you've forgotten, I'm Robin Johns, and you've been listening to Convergence by Kato Networks. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.